Welcome back into the great Scott show on a Friday. Give me all you got. As he does every Friday, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Cattengill joins me from the Crescent City. We will uh, get back into some Rage Occasion sports talk uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. Open up the show with a little bit, among other things. But here to talk some Saints and Pels with us is Gus. Good morning, my man. What's happening? Hey, buddy. How are you? It's always a nice uh, week when the Pels are winning. Jameis Winston's throwing. Um, the Cubs aren't out of it. You know, I mean, it's all, man, all, you know, it's a good time. It's interesting. Time. You, you mentioned the ML. Well, you didn't mention the MLB lockout, but I, you made a joke about the Cubs in, in regards to well, it. They can't lose if they're not playing, Scott. Um, what, like what? I, I put a poll up on our on our Twitter page this week. You know, like how do you feel about the lockout uh, and the fact that you know games will be missed? I had three choices, right? Devastated. Um, a little upset and don't care. And don't care was the one that had the most votes, right? Basically two thirds of them. What, like for major league baseball, man, I mean, I know they're meeting and going back and forth, but people keep referencing the strike of what 94, 95. And it was really bad for the sport. But I tell you what, before that happened, the sport was in really like, it was the popularity of it was really high. You're going into a lockout right now, and it's not like it's the most popular sport right now, especially amongst the youth. Like when we were kids, there were a lot more kids our age back there and, you know, late 80s, early 90s, at least in my mind, that sort of followed baseball, that had their favorite players, that had the stars, that had the – and now, I don't know, man, just that younger generation – I. I, I feel like if depending on how long look if they miss you know twenty games or whatever okay whatever it's no no big deal but if they miss like if they were to miss a season now I'm not predicting that but if they were to miss a season the damage that would be done to Major League Baseball would be five times as much as what happened back during the ninety four ninety five work stoppage it would be catastrophic they have to play a season this year. And if they don't, I, I feel like the they're they're just the irreparable damage, Gus. That's how dire I think it is, honestly. I don't think you're over exaggerating, man. And and you know, seeing this week nationally, people talking about it as well, Scott. Um, I think one of the things that you look at is you know, like it's funny. I you said it too, and it's not you know anything that you say bad. It's just. It, I almost think it's almost like petitions when it comes to, you know, the kids, the youth, the younger generation, which you're absolutely correct. My, my kid's five, and he has no clue. Now you could say, what does a five-year-old know about baseball, something like that. But, you know, I would say I would argue, and it's probably a good thing, right, but the people in this part of the world, say Louisiana, probably hears the word baseball. And, Scott, wouldn't you agree probably immediately thinks of college baseball, right? LSU, UL, down here it's Tulane, UNO, you know, La Tech was ranked, you know, 15th this past week. I mean, that, all of that, right? I mean, when, when I think baseball, I would probably say more kids can relate or can probably pinpoint to a game with mom and dad or just dad or just whatever, 
and, and catching a game at a college baseball park. And, and that's rare because that's why it's so big here in the FCC, other conferences, and just other parts of this state. Baseball is big. But here's the thing. It's easy for politicians to say, you know, it's all about the kids. That helps get things passed, gets your attention, and I get that. But, you know, they're saying it now about baseball. But, Scott, you know what? You can apply the same thing to me. I'm a baseball guy. I'm a Cub guy. I cried when the World Series won. But, Scott, it, it's just it's so hard to, to get into it year after year when – it's just, it just, the phrase tone deaf seems mild with some of the language that I would probably use to where baseball is right now. They're not even talking about this week. And they didn't even agree to walk away from the table here based off of the issues that are hurting the game right now. That it's not viewable, watchable. It's almost four hours. The amount of pitchers now. Um, I mean, a starter is what, four or five innings max. And then it's, 15 pitchers between the sixth inning and ninth inning and it's just the stoppage how long everything takes and I, I get that's that whole boring thing but if you actually have some sort of attachment to it and you did that you may not even mind the time but the reason it's getting so long is because of all of the different relievers that you have and you know it's just it's just hard to to attach yourself to the team i, I never thought 160 was too long when i was invested right when when I could follow the team, I could watch the games. I knew who the players were. Um, you know, look, I talked about it on our show this week, Scotty. The NFL, it's crazy. Like, what what, what made them the, the pastime? Like, how did it become the pastime, you know, of this country? Like, how did it be? How did it pass baseball, man? I mean, baseball players back in the day when, you know, my dad was a kid. I mean, he told me the time he skipped school to watch the Yankees play in the World Series, you know? Um, and, and you couldn't even watch that. So I understand and hear the, well, ratings are down and it's too long to watch. That's not what made baseball popular. When you think about it, Scott, baseball was America's pastime when it was mainly on a radio. <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? It was how it was broadcasted and portrayed, and those guys were legends and things of that time. So I heard you, buddy, and – I think that's one of the things that really stands out to me is I think it's an attachment to the plane. I mean, to the, um, to the game that really changes it. And I think, you know, not seeing guys like Mike Trout, who everyone says is the best player in Boston in, in baseball, Scott, have you ever watched him? He's at, has he played in a playoff game? I honestly don't know. Name me the last time you saw Mike Trout play the angels. Make a play that you saw that wasn't. What was the last time you saw him play in a game, period? You know? <laughs> no, that's what, that's what I'm saying. And look, and I get it that it's the West Coast, and that's what people say. Well, you know, it's the West Coast. Dude, stop it. Because here's the other thing, right? You know exactly who Justin Herbert is. You know who Matt Stafford is. You know who the Rams, that's West Coast team. You know anything about the Lakers? They don't play till 9 o'clock. They play at 9 o'clock every single day when they're at home. And we all know about them. So, you know, the, the argument about time zones and all of that stuff. You know, how do you market players and all that stuff? Look, man, here's the other element to it. I don't know if you have noticed this the last few times you've gone to games, but I think the players have just become detached, to be honest with you, too. And I think a cultural thing sort of exists here as well. You have a lot of Latin American players. And, you know, 
it, it's tough maybe to market that, maybe not, but I, I don't know if that is part of it. I, I don't know because you've had greats that have been Latin American players here in the past. Um, I think no. I think I think I, you can I, do I, it. Like I, I think it comes no, to a foreign player, a lot of it just depends on, um, you know, like you look at uh, uh, Otani, right? Like, I mean, he was got the nickname Showtime, right? Played for the team that Mike Trout played for. By the way, Mike Trout's been in the playoffs one time. He was one for twelve as the Angels got swept by the Royals. Like, you look at Otani last year. He was the biggest star in the league. And and I get it, right? It's it wasn't Latin, it was it was Asian. He's from Japan. But you've seen Latin players do it. I think it really it it's it's the personality, it is how big of a star they are, and it is really up to MLB to market said player. Otani, yeah. the fact that he could pitch well, and hit Diego, dingers man. and San do Diego's all this stuff. The, they just yeah. San Diego has a great, you know, team and they're primarily Latin American. They like these are all the arguments that people keep saying. I, I don't I know that it's a cultural thing as much as just not. like uh, an ownership in baseball. You mentioned right? it earlier, just being too too much in the past. I mean, Gen Z, we're talking about the youngest potential sports fans that could follow baseball. They're, they're just cut different, man. I mean, in terms of their options and their attention span and, and right. what interests but, them. Know, like, it's, it's not – it's different. And if you don't keep up with – like, baseball, it seems like they listen to their fans that are already watching it all the time. But they're not listening to the people that are like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I take it or leave it. I'm probably going to leave it. Like, here are some things I would do. Those are the ones they're not listening as much to. And, yeah, you could tell oh, they're still making profit. They're still doing this. Sure, but you want this thing to thrive anyway. I I, I feel like a a long, hopefully it's not a long work stoppage because I don't I don't want I want Major League Baseball to thrive. You know I want to see Scherzer pitch for the Mets this year. I do. I just think they're in a bad bad spot right now. You know I think the other thing too is when we were talking about what, what makes you know the NFL and the NBA um, so much more popular um, and, and easy. To, to, I guess, succeed here. You, you brought up culture and stuff like that. Uh, baseball overseas, man, is a huge culture, right? I mean, just like basketball sort of stuff, but like in Japan and Korea, I mean, baseball is huge. I mean, we were watching their games when, when our season was canceled and not playing because of COVID. I mean, it's, it's huge in Latin America. That is the way out of situations that you can improve on. I mean, I... I literally found out that a family member of mine is a Cub Scout um, in the Dominican Republic. And, and, you know, so there's academies like baseball is a huge thing. So why is it not succeeding in America? That's the thing that's to be so clear, Gus means a Chicago Cubs Scout, not like yeah, an actual Cub Scout, yeah. just to be clear. No, yeah, no. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, and the thing is, I think the thing that really stands out to me is when you look at all of the things that, that I guess have helped the NFL – and NBA, Scott. Um, yes, it, it's marketing. It's all those different things. But I also think the structure of the sport. And what I mean by that is, I think the reason the NFL works, man, is you, you still have an honest on making the right decisions, doing the right things. You have to have good management. You have to have good coaching. You have to have all of that. No, no one's saying you don't. But what the NFL has intelligently done is they say if you make those decisions and you do it right, 
you will have a quicker shot than not to succeed. And I'm talking about that. I'm talking about how the structure has been put in place with the draft and, and to help teams that have not won be in position if they do the right thing. I mean, look, the Browns, the Bengals for several years, the Jaguars, if you don't have good management, if you don't hire the right coaches, it's not going to guarantee you to do it, right? And it's still a crapshoot. It is a bit of a lottery. It doesn't mean that you get the first pick and you draft the quarterback that that guy is going to be a franchise leader. I mean, look at how many the Jets have gone through. Look how many the Browns have gone through. The Bengals have gone through at quarterback at Kelly Smith and all those. So, but the structure is there that if you can hire right, find the right player, get your scouting department in order, you could be the Bengals this past year. The Giants have two picks, man. What, in the, like, top 15 or something? The Falcons have a couple picks. The Pan, I mean, like, you've got some teams that have not won, and you have chances here. So, in baseball, you got Max Scherzer this week. Kind of sarcastically in the tone was so – it rubbed me the wrong way when he was, like, the CBT, you know, thing that they're arguing about. And it's – you know, the tax, essentially, like the NBA luxury tax, baseball sort of has it. They think they're being used as a salary cap, and the guy's just chuckling about it. And he's like, we don't need that. You know, the Padres have a higher payroll than the Yankees. And I was talking to my baseball guy who comes on every week, and he's like, look, he's taking the one stat, the one year that that happened to happen. But, again, as I just mentioned, culturally and whatever, the Padres had to go out there and spend. They re-signed some of the younger faces of baseball that were really fun to watch, but you have to spend two hundred million. Like, and not every organization can, not every owner wants to. And here's the problem: you got the Pirates and others that don't want to spend more than forty-five or sixty. Then you have other owners that are willing to spend however much they want. So, what the problem is is you have some owners that are ready to whatever it takes, and other owners that are just simply not going to do that, or they'll do what the Nationals and the Rockies and some other you know, clubs have done, the Indians, Scott World, they'll spend that year because they feel they have it, and in the next two years they tear it down. The Brewers did it, right? So it's not a long-term sustainability thing. Why does the NFL work? Here's a salary cap. That's what you have to spend. But you have to spend it. There's a floor and there's a ceiling, right? I mean, like, that you have to spend a certain amount. In the NBA, here's the cap, got to spend it. In the NFL, here's what it's two something, got to spend it. I mean, that, so you have to do it. If Major League Baseball set the you know, salary 135, and every team had to spend that, I think you have what you have in the NFL and NBA. Look, the LeBron super team thing, it was, a, it was a small phase, which you see now, though, Scott, when you look at the Eastern Conference, and I know, Gus, stop it, the Nets and Sixers, it's still two. It's still two. It's, you know, Embiid and Harden. It's, you know, Durant and Kyrie. You know, and you could throw in Simmons if he ever played. But for the most part, what you're seeing now is let's go with two big stars and build a team around them. When you look at the Eastern Conference, Starting to fill out, starting to look good. Look at the Western Conference. You got so many teams. Like the Memphis Grizzlies aren't made of four superstars. They got one tremendous Jordan Kobe like young guy, Ja Morant. 
and then they build around their team. Again, the model exists there. There's a luxury tax for the teams that say we're going all in. We're going to pay a dollar for every dollar we go over the, the, the salary cap, and they're allowed to do it. But other teams can be competitive and do that. And I think when you have a player of Max Scherzer's, you know, status, and he's a lead negotiator for the players, and a guy literally thumbs his nose at you about this whole notion of salary cap when his contract's like $400 million, but there's minor league players and other guys that are making literally like 40000 there is a problem. And when you don't see that the competitive balance makes the game better, that's why it matters. That's why people will watch, honestly, on a Thursday night, whatever game the NFL puts on. They will watch the Chargers take on the Ravens, even though I'm a Saints fan, and don't even watch the AFC. Why? Every game matters because all those teams have a chance to play and win. Opening day, we missed it this year. We like to say, Scott, realistically, I know the first game of the year the Cubs play, they have no shot at winning the World Series this year because they had to tear it down. They had to get rid of players. They had to cut their salaries, and they're Chicago. They're the Chicago. They're a team that won the World Series. Their owner can't afford it. Their owner. So until baseball does that, where here's what you have to spend, and here's the cap, and everyone spends equally, I, I, I don't think it has a prayer to ever replace or equal where the NFL and NBA is. I don't think it has a prayer. And quite honestly, it's being talked about as it could happen. Scott, it's dead. It's never going to surpass the ever two sports. It's never going to do it. ESPN Lafayette, uh, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. That is Gus Kattengill. I'm coming to you guys on a Friday morning from the ESPN Lafayette studio, sponsored by Bet Rivers. Every day at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, Louisiana, you'll find line specials, daily boosted odd, parlays of the day, and more. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, the best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at BetRivers.com. Coming up later in the show next hour, we'll visit with Gary Broadhead, Raging Cajun women's basketball coach. The women will uh, be in action tonight at 5 o'clock from the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. We'll talk about the men's game from yesterday, uh, softball, baseball as well, what's happening. We will hit on all of that next hour. But right now, Gus and I started on MLB. Gus, I want to talk a little Pels and Saints with you, and why don't we shift into the Pels now, and then we'll take a quick timeout and do something shorter on the Saints. But um, something special is brewing right now because in the past you have a a star player, face of the franchise, perpetually – that's maybe being oft injured, right, uh, star in Zion Williamson, and no one really knows, and they release a medical update, and it – they didn't say he was having surgery, so that's a good thing. He's maybe doing basketball like two, but he's still out indefinitely, and he's probably not going to play this year. And there's certainly been drama there, and yet despite that, the Pels still have so much positive mojo, for lack of better words, happening right now in the culture that Willie Green has built. You know, they've won three in a row. They've dominated since the All-Star break. I mean, I it's only three games, I get it. But when you consider that this team is – 10 games were, you know, under 500 after starting 1 and 12, after starting 3 and 16, after starting the way that they did. Willie Green said all along, look, it's going to take some time. We're going to be playing a lot better in February and March than we are at the beginning of the season. Boy, that's without Zion Williamson, and he was absolutely right. I mean, look at what they're doing right now. Brandon Ingram, 
Uh, the guys having fun together. It's as far as you know, a nine or a ten seed in the play-in. I mean that that that's happening, barring you know a, a significant injury setback. The McCollum trade. I again, there are a lot of people apologizing now that were like, okay, I was wrong. I thought that might not have been the best move for the Pels. You know, it wasn't me because I was telling you for a month. If you can make that deal happen, make it happen. But you know, seeing the the the, the blender ninety four percent capacity right for a game against the Kings. When Zion's hurt and medical updates are that he's still not playing indefinitely, and yet the team's selling out the lower bowl for season tickets next year and all this stuff happening right now. I mean, as as awful and horrendous as last season was, they're they're working with something right now, Gus. I'm not just saying you can look at the overall record and say, ah, whatever, they're not that great. If you're actually watching this team, you can tell that something special is brewing. Are they are they winning a playoff series this season? I'm not going to say that. Maybe a play-in, sure. But uh, it's it's not so much about here today. It's about tomorrow, next season, this season. feels like they finally have the right coach. They've got a star in Brandon Ingram that is happy and really wants to be there. They got another one in C.J. McCollum who seems to be fitting like a glove. You potentially have Zion. That'll you know that'll sort itself out one way or another. But man, there's something special brewing right now with the Pelicans, Gus. And it's been a while since we could say that, and not saying it in hopefully maybe, but actually say it and mean it. You know what I mean? Man, I don't know how you can't feel that or think that, right, Scott? I mean, there's just so many things about it. And I know I've been saying it on, on our show when you come on and, and on yours, man, I'm like, you know, I, I've referenced the season in different phases and, you know, there's the buy-in and then I think there's, you know, what, what we're seeing now is that secondary buy-in and, and now results. And, uh, and, but it all starts from the ground, man. And it starts with Willie Green. And I, I think what's incredible is he got these guys to somehow come together, play hard for one another we touched on it, how we think, you know, the day that they came out and said, look, Zion's going to be out six to eight weeks, I think was something that they needed. I think the fan base, because it was just every day, what, you know, when is he back and all this other stuff. And then it was just about the players on the court. Then it became reason. Remember I told you the next phase was they're giving me a reason to watch, right? Going into the calendar year, they, they gave me a reason to watch. And, you know, Guys like Alvarado or whatever, all of a sudden, you know, they, they became they're fun. I mean, they're hustling, they're playing defense. Brandon Ingram, it's his team. Then they make this move that Pels fans, they, and it just goes to also show you too, Scott, how much the fan base here has shifted, right? Like up to that, your show, my show, how many GMs called, right? How many GMs on our on our Twitter feeds? And what I mean by that is fans that want this trade or that trade or send this guy here or, you know, bench this guy. I mean, like people are invested. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's knowledgeable. It's not, Hey, well, I guess he's going to, who is this guy? I mean, you remember that Scott, there there were days where people don't know who those guys were. Right. Or I had a neighbor down the street. I pass all the time. And you know, when I found Pels or ESPN stuff on, he's like, yeah, I don't watch basketball, but you know, they're, they're just, it, it, it stings. And he's bringing up Ron Artest. And I'm like, man, the league hadn't been like that for 20 years. I mean, it's, you know, you're not having a rap. Bringing up Malice at the Palace, which was, ni- which was no, 19 I, years ago. Come on. Right, but that's what I'm saying. You had fans that 
you know, whatever. And then after AD left, you see that they don't care. I'm like, you're just not educated about it. It's not that you don't care. It's one player, and then the organization didn't do this or that. So you lay out what's the difference and, and what's the difference. And I think one of the things that you've seen um, that's really helped, Scott, is guys like Kendrick Perkins. Well, nationally, you know, hey, relocate the franchise because I am unhappy. And, and, you know, you have people going online and just defending the organization, defending the team, defending Willie Green. After the trade, C.J. McCollum talks about specifically what Willie Green is doing. Brandon Ingram last night or two nights ago in the post game is sitting there, you know, I think it's the last thing Jen Hale asks him. And it's, you know, why, why are you playing so well? It's like Willie Green is doing everything that, we need him to do to put us in the right spot. I mean, it, he has total trust of the players to the point where, you know, I, I to spread, Scott. You know, we focus so much on money, championships, star power to try to get other superstars to want to play. Let me tell you something. The fact that C.J. McCollum said Willie Green was a reason he okayed and wanted to be big. Willie Green going to... Devontae Graham's house during the All-Star break to let him know that he needed him to come off the bench. That's not – I've, I've talked to other coaches, like my basketball coach at Tulane. You know, we talked about that on the recent road trip when we went to Wichita State. I'm like, have you ever heard of that? He's like, no. The normal thing would have been to you know, call him in the office and talk to him at practice, and that's the setting, that's the building, that's the office. But to do that is different. And it, that, that travels, man. That travels. That that word of mouth is the best word of And when a free agent's leaning one way or another in the future, maybe next year, with that people when you get full healthy Zion in theory, that 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 goes a long way. So those are all things that you hear, you see, but then you're seeing it on the court. I mean, Scott, the Suns, the Lakers, and the Kings were 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 wins. I mean, decisive wins, but why? Ball movement, defense, working together, chemistry, man. Um, it, it just, it's fun to see. Like, there's legit basketball reasons. You can tell me Chris Paul didn't play. You can tell me Anthony Davis didn't play. You can tell me the Kings made a trade for Halliburton. I get it. The Pelicans, Zion Williamson, the Pelicans suck well. That's a you problem if you don't have a player that's healthy or hurt or whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is. You got to go win the game. You're still good, you know? So, um, but they they took advantage of that. In the past, they played teams that didn't have players and couldn't pull out that win. So now they're playing teams that aren't as strong as them, and they're winning decisively. They're out hustling. They're out working. And when you watch Trey Murphy, who, again, I think more fans are upset that he doesn't play than he is, and he's standing next to Brandon Inger with Najee Marshall, a guy that earned a contract last year because he was playing so many minutes and was basically non-existent for two-thirds of the season so far. And now all of a sudden, he is coming off the bench. He is playing. Those two guys are, quote-unquote, Brandon Ingram's bodyguards in Wednesday night's, you know, post-game press conference. That's, that's all you need to know right there, man. I mean, like, everybody's in. Everybody's in. And I think what C.J. McCollum did on the Thursday after the All-Star break, his 39-second soundbite, of saying, leave the big fellow alone. He's trying to rehab. I talked to him. I got him. When he's back, we're going to welcome him with open arms. Um, 
you guys are making it a bigger deal. We're moving forward. He did exactly why you want a guy like that in your locker room. He's the president of the Players Association for a reason. In 39 seconds, he ended it. In 39 seconds, he ended it. He moved it forward. He moved it forward. From that point on, no one talked about it from that point on, right? Ali Kosell, as a matter of fact, writes a column of, you know, maybe we need to move forward and stop picking on him. And all it's like, that's why that guy is so important. And that is actually why they try to sign a Chris Paul. They tried to sign a Kyle Lyra. They tried to sign a player like that for that reason. He's the voice of the team, not necessarily this team or that team. It's, I think it's Brandon's, but they can coexist. And they can do different things. But when CJ speaks, everyone listens. Media, players, everything. And he shut it down. I, I think the last week has been incredible when you think about it. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Gus Kattengill has been our guest. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll come back, talk some Saints football with Gus. Uh, the Saints, you know, I, I was talking to our buddy Mike Neighbors earlier this week and he had some things to say about, you know, how he's not completely sold that the Saints are completely sold on Jameis Winston right now. We'll talk a little bit about the QB spot and the tight end spot as well. It's coming your way next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. The Great Scott Show continues with Gus Katnia right after this. into the great scott show on a friday give me all you got coming up next hour we'll uh, visit with rage occasion women's basketball coach gary broadhead cajuns in action tonight from the sunbelt conference tournament we'll talk about uh the state of the men's program a little bit later as well get you set up for what's happening on the diamond this week and what happened on the softball diamond last night as well and i want to remind you guys before we get back into it with gus about patty in the park saint patrick's day we're less than two weeks away, y'all. Patty in the Park happening downtown Lafayette at Park International. We got a great music lineup for you. Clay Cormier, Wayne Toops, Rob Bass, Quad City DJs, Tone Loke. Are you kidding me? Yes. No, I'm not actually. I'm serious. All are performing at Patty in the Park. You can get your tickets right now for $20 at any Legends location uh, or online at eventbrite.com. Patty in the Park, sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto. Gus, before we let you run this morning, man, I did want to talk briefly about the Saints with you. And I was talking to uh, to Mike Neighbors this week, and he's he's in uh, Lafayette this evening uh, for a book signing in downtown Lafayette at Boulay Books. And he, um, you know, his book, The Breezeway. But he was saying, based on people he've talked to, he he. He said if he had to place money on it, he feels like it probably will be Jameis Winston as the starter next year, but he doesn't think the Saints are 
you know, completely sold on Jameis right now. And I, I said, I think they probably want to sign Jameis to, you know, if they, if, unless they make a big play via trade or something. But, you know, I think they probably end up signing Jameis to like a, a contract that's like the, like an open relationship kind of like, yeah, we might move on. You might move on. It's not going to be sort of a long-term commitment yet. We're going to kind of see how this thing goes out. Exactly like last year's deal, no. But if Jameis got a, 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 a you know a longer term offer on the open market, there is a chance he could be gone. I don't think the Saints necessarily want that, but ultimately, I think Jameis will be back. But I don't think it's it's a long term commitment just quite yet. You know, there's a lot of rumors. Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll saying, "No, we don't want to trade him." You know, there's Jimmy Garoppolo. The, you know, the Steelers and the Commanders are apparently interested, and neighbors mentioned maybe him as a possibility with the Saints. I don't know. I don't necessarily see that happening, but ultimately, Gus, um, here we are in March. What is your What are your thoughts on the state of the QB position for the Saints and what it's going to look like next season? You know, I, I hear what Mike is saying. And we talked when he came on and talked about his book a while back here as well. And, you know, I always say this, man. Uh, it's always what you can go shopping with, right? Um Certain deals look a certain way, depending on, on how much money you got. When you got a little coin in your pocket and you got a little more to spend in the weekend, you, you got no problem um, maybe, you know, purchasing a certain way. But when you don't, and you have to be cognizant of, of what you can and cannot spend. What I mean by that is even, you know, what was the Thursday morning, I'm listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Mac in the morning show here over on ESPN. And, you know, they're literally discussing about Russell Wilson and what's the best place for him to go and is it worth what, what the cost will be. And, you know, Kellerman's a Giants fan, so he's trying, you know, the Giants should do it. And Keyshawn Johnson flat out said, he's like, yeah, man, but do you want to give up all of that, you know, for a guy that, you know, he's 30-something years old. Now, he did say on Jimmy Kimmel recently he wants to play another 12 years all that other stuff, like, you know, it, to me, that's what it boils down to, right? I, I think if if you make a trade for a guy like Russell Wilson and change your narrative and put you in a different spot, sure it does. But what do you give up for? The two ones and a two, which is what they've been saying, which means by what they're hearing. You know, you will give up two first-round picks. And in a second, you know, we're starting quarterback. I don't know if that's too bad. I mean, in terms of over the next two, three years, they're going to be looking for that quarterback. And if you have a team that's pretty good, and the Saints have shown this ability to be able to draft really well. And you look at, I think, Scott, you and I talked about here um, during the season, they have been incredible at filling out their teams with, you know, third to fifth round, sixth round, and like the bulk of their team is that, you know? Sure, yeah, your first and second round pick, but hey, some of the heart and souls of this team and some of their better players are, you know, late Friday to Saturday players. So with this organization, I mean, I'd be more open to doing that. What if it's three ones, two ones, and two twos, and players, and all that, I mean, are you really winning at that point with what you're going to do? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's 
an organizational decision if they feel that they want to do that for as long as they want to and, you know, win now and be like the Rams and do it to where, you know, you've been over a couple of years. I just think when you look at everything, the coaches you kept, the coach you hired, the players that are coming back, it just makes sense financially. It makes sense from a draft standpoint to try to sign James Winston back for, like you said, Scott, two years, 16 to 20 million to 10. Um, but like Mike and like you said there as well, I mean, you pass on a guy like Bill McCorrell or others if they're there at 18. I mean, every mock draft has the same fit in McCorrell. So, you know, I think even if you do sign Jameis Winston, doing something like that, if there's a guy that they kind of like, um, if not, I don't know. I, I, I just I keep looking around the league. You look at earlier this week, back on Tuesday, man, they, uh, or was it Wednesday, you know, the GM and head coach of the Colts basically just kicked Carson Wentz out the door. He's trying to trade Jimmy G. No one's happy, essentially, with most of their starting quarterbacks from the Giants. I mean, Billy Oakley talks about moving forward. They can get Russell Wilson instead of Jalen Hurts. So, you know, who are you going to go get? Like, who's better? Who are you replacing with? So, I guess that's my thing. You know, if, if you're not sold on him, who are you sold on? So, I don't know. It'll be ESPN Lafayette. It's it's kind of like what it always comes back to. Like you know, you can do all this other stuff, but ultimately, it seems like you know he wants to be there. It seems like it's not a long term thing. How is he going to come back from the injury? Like he, I think, obviously, you know, Jameis has undoubtedly embraced the team and and all that other stuff. You could look at the stats last year and be like, wow, those are pretty good. If you watch the games, like there was some good, there was some bad, there was some hesitation, and that was with Sean Payton there. Like it wasn't. It, it it was it was it was above average, but I see some folks just throwing out the stats like he was out there playing, you know, elite football all the time, and that wasn't that wasn't always the case. You know, he had his he had his moments. Uh, if you go in a different direction, you know, it's you're bringing someone in that doesn't have knowledge of the system, and again, Sean's not there anymore. Pete Carmichael, now you're calling the plays, but more than that, you're going to have to be the teacher as well. And that's it's one thing to be the play caller; it's another when you have somebody at the quarterback position, and, and he was a quarterback's coach before he was the OC, and he's worked hand-in-hand hand with quarterbacks quite a bit. I get it. But teaching someone all the nuances of the offense, that was something Coach Payton was really good at, really good at. And, you know, I think I think wherever Sean ends up next, and he'll, he'll do TV, either Fox or Amazon, whatever, and then he'll eventually go back to coaching. Wherever it is, he's going to go to a franchise where he feels like, okay, there is stability and a lot of talent at quarterback. That's where I'm going. I think he wants to to be somewhere where he knows he has stability there. And the reality is the Saints had stability at that spot for, you know, 15-plus years. They don't have it right now. It's, it's going to be a whole new era of Saints football next season. I get you'll have some familiar players back, but no Breeze and now no Peyton. It, it there's you talk to fans, Gus. I you know you're you're you laying down a bet they're going to win the NFC South next year. I know some <clears throat> fans that feel like, and I know you're you know an analyst that are like, I think they're going to be terrible. I know others that have already placed a futures bet for them to win the Super Bowl at I don't know plus six thousand odds or forty five hundred. So it's all over the place right now, and that's 
that's kind of my thoughts on the future of the Saints. I, I find myself one day feeling extra optimistic and the next feeling like, oof, it might be a little rough, this transition period. And I think that's, you know, the big question. Obviously, everyone needs to know that quarterback is definitely, you know, we were asking the question this week, Mike. I mean, Scott, about where do you, like, so Monday the 14th is the legal day. That's when you can, you know, start having those announcement deals and agreements and principles, what have you. Do you think James is Monday? Tuesday, Wednesday, start of the new year there, like, I, I, I'd be, I, I would read it differently, right, depending on the day, right? I'll be honest with you, within the first hour, you don't hear something about it. I am interested. If we go Monday, like, in the evening, and we wake up Tuesday morning, if you haven't seen any quarterback ties in the Saints, then how do you not think that Jameis either A, isn't the target, or B, there are multiple offers and he hasn't made a decision? If we're on Wednesday and Jameis Winston isn't the Saints quarterback, then it, it's either the Saints are targeting someone else or he signs somewhere else. I, I, I do yeah. not think it goes somewhere. Yeah, I just don't because here's the other thing too. Russell Wilson's going to be Monday, huh? What do you think? That is until the, the league year when you can make trades. I don't know honestly, if that can happen. So I think everyone obviously is waiting for Rodgers. I know the Packers sort of feel that before the 16th he will give them a deadline. I think Scott got back to saying the 16th because. Matt LaFleur said it, and the GM at the Packers said it. I think the start of the league years would be trade or, or do that. So maybe it is Wednesday. I just, I don't know. I, I just don't get the sense and feel that the Saints are in the Rogers wheelhouse, much less Russell Wilson, with so many people recently, nationally, or Fox whether it's the shows on ESPN, mentioning specifically Sierra wanting to go to a big market. So when you're hearing things like that, that's agents talking, right? That's people throwing out certain talking points to create chatter. So if Rogers and Wilson aren't available, but I just asked a few minutes ago to you, and who else out there do you cover that you think is better than Jameis right now short term? You know, I'm with you. And I think he's sort of like that too, like what kind of prove it real sort of thing. But Jimmy G? I mean, Shanahan is an offensive genius. Like, you know, like Peyton, we talked about this before. You put him in the same neighborhood, and he wants to get rid of Carson Wentz. Yeah. Today, right, so, right. You know, this yeah. Week. I mean, he said, you know, I'll stick my neck out for him. He wants to get rid of him. So who, who, are you, who are you bringing in? And Kenny Pickett, know. Uh, you know, his his hands measured at the combine at eight and a half inches, so that ain't great. <laughs> Last quarterback with hands that small that had success in the NFL was Michael Vick. And, 
you know, Pickett uh, has some mobility, but uh, he ain't even close to Michael Vick, let's be honest. That is Gus Kattengale, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Gus, I'm going to let you run, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Happy Friday. And, you know, quick throwback. Last week we told the audience, right, if you're Mardi Gras on with kids, you find a good spot, right, not a lot of foot traffic, clean bathroom nearby where you can park. And if you have to pay a little for parking, do it if it means you get those other things. So, uh, yeah, we uh, I can tell you this. The Prather family followed that advice, and we all had a great Mardi Gras. I did the mother of all strategy this week. Um, we had a flight to Wichita for a game on Wednesday. I took off at 2.30. So I caught the battery Mardi Gras strategically at the front. Very beginning, start that can. Twelve twenty-five. We're walking back to the car. Caught all the trucks, got all the floats. Got enough uh, beverage in. Got enough, you know, sun. My forehead still burnt <laughs> from the weather. Enjoyed myself a gorgeous day. Literally dropped them off. Um, made my way over to the charter. Got on the plane. We were up in the air at two fifteen actually. We took off, so it, it was odd. First time in my life I've actually experienced Mardi Gras Day in two places, and totally, it's true. It is Tuesday, just everywhere else. I mean, <laughs> at the airport and got to the hotel. I mean, you know, they're having a convention or some things going on in the lobby. It's busy. We all walk in wearing beads and you know, smelling of beer. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, my God, where'd y'all come from? And it's funny. We went out dinner. And, yep, Outback's full. Team just literally came from New Orleans. It was, was kind of interesting to kind of experience that. That's why we talked about it last week, man. It's, it's a unique environment, man. Enjoy it. My wife's not huge into it. My kids are taking or leave it right now. But, you know what? I got to sit out there and enjoy myself and talk to people and, Get a little sunburn. Yeah. Yeah, what, man? My fun. kids, my kids absolutely loved it. I appreciate you taking the time, brother. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Uh, next week we'll be deeper into March, getting ready for you know uh, March Madness a week after that, and you know some more college baseball to talk about. Certainly some more Pelicans basketball, among other things. But uh, we're gonna let you run. Appreciate you as always taking the time, Gus. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk again soon. It's always a pleasure, Scott. Thank you, buddy. All right, coming up next, we will visit with Rage of Cajun women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead. The Rage of Cajuns taking on Texas State at 5 o'clock today from the Pensacola Bay Center in the women's side of the bracket. Uh, Cajuns had the bye. They got their sights set on winning the thing, and uh, we'll talk to Coach Broadhead uh, about that game coming up later today, which will be airing this evening on Talk Radio 960. If they win, they'll play on Sunday, and on Sunday the game would air on right here, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. But with softball doubleheader coming up later today, uh, we'll talk a little ULLSU, what happened on the Diamond, uh, Cajun men's hoops as well, the weekend in college basketball coming up, uh, all of that and more all coming your way. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott show continues into the 8 o'clock hour. Coach Gary Broadhead joins me next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Now, 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide. If you're listening via the stream, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Don't go anywhere. We're right back right after this. This is it, y'all. Some nasty 
Like I was Grandmaster Cast Got rhymes about Anthony 